we go. Praise God. Really great to be here with you guys tonight. I was talking to somebody. Who was I talking to about? Maybe some Spanish will be coming out here and there and kind of pay close attention. You know, uh, sometimes you get mixed up when you're used to speaking English or Spanish in our services, and, and now we're speaking English to you guys. So if I'm Spanish, who's, who's taking Spanish in school? Okay, so for some of you, pay close attention, okay? I mean, the Lord may be speaking to you then. Um, but it's really great to be here, guys, uh, tonight. And uh, my son is, a, is a, also a youth pastor. Uh, last a week ago, last Wednesday, he was so excited. They were playing a game, uh, all the kids, and he wanted to climb or jump from the wall, whatever he ran, and you know how they do flips or whatever from the wall. He put a hole, a hole right through the wall. He was so pumped up and so excited. He won. He beat all the other kids. So I won't do that. I won't, I won't get that excited. But my son loves to get excited with all the youth, and he just, he just gets pumped up. And I do too in my own way. You know, I'm a little older, but hey, it's okay. It's okay to get excited, right? Yeah. Hallelujah. So that's really cool. So hopefully that uh, you guys will enjoy tonight, and hopefully that, uh, that God will speak to you. Uh, because I do have a passion. I do have a passion for, for the lost. Uh, my number one passion is for God. He's my number one passion. And, uh, and of course, the lost. And my wife is here with me today. So, Susan, you probably got some of you know her, met her, maybe on the way in, or meet her on the way out. That's fine. I gotta, that way I got to put, put it in the back pocket. Is that what you, okay. I know you mentioned that. All right. Well, praise God. Uh, I just want to talk to you guys tonight uh, about you have a testimony. And uh, how many believe that you have a testimony? All right. Not all of you. Maybe after tonight, maybe you will. All right. Uh, and that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Uh, that's uh, going to be on the screen. I got, I got a, few, a few words up there for, for, uh, to put up there for you guys. So if you want to take notes, it's fine. If you don't, hopefully you can remember uh, some of the things that are uh, going to be said tonight. But uh, I just want to tell you a little bit about myself. And uh, well, me, uh, coming from Mexico, I lived in Mexico City for 11 years. And I, when, I, when I moved, uh, I, hold on, Pastor John, how, mu how much time do I have? You said about two hours, two and a half? 30 minutes? That's it? Wow, better hurry up. Uh, well, uh, then, I better, then I better speak Spanish. I can say faster. Is that all right? <laughs> yeah. Some of you will understand. No, but I, I came out, I came out of, uh, from Mexico City, and, uh, and at the age of 11 years old, of course, we moved from Mexico City, and we moved to a different state. Uh, when we moved to this, this other state, it's called Michoacan. It sounds like Michigan. So anyway, when we moved to that state, um, my brother and I, the o my oldest brother and me, we could not go... We, my mom could not afford to, for us to go back to school, both of us at the same time. So going to junior high, it was like almost going to the military. You had to have a uniform. It, w it would cost a lot of money, uh, almost like going to college, basically. So my mom said to, to both of us, one of you can go to, go to school. The other one has to go to work. I was 11 years old. My oldest brother said, I will go to school. So that left me to go to work at, at the age of 11. And so we either work the fields or we go to work for somebody who was selling, you know, the supermarket or something. 
but for me was a, a tremendous turnaround for the worse at that time because at the age of 11 I got involved with the wrong crowd and uh, with you know gangs and, and then of course I was in, introduced to drugs and and stuff so from age 11 I, I became I became addicted to drugs and uh, and that was my life all the way from age 11 up to age 14 in Mexico uh, I was running the streets while I mean fights uh, you name it our fights was were not fist fights our fights were baseball bats guns uh, all that kind of stuff and some of our friends um, just uh, across the street from my house some of our friends laying dead because they were shot to death uh, that was my life at the age in Mexico from age 11 up to age 14 uh, every night I was on I was on the streets uh, you know whatever trouble we could cause so that was my life then my my mom was out there looking for me every single night uh, when I got home around three four o'clock in the morning I got a beaten every every night my mom couldn't stand it for me to be gone so she thought if she would punish me she could keep me home but that was no way possible because by that time I was already addicted to drugs and in my gangs and everything I was even though I was so small but uh uh, my mom, my dad was around here in the states, and my dad, my mom, called my dad and and said to my 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 dad, uh, either you come and get this this child, or I'm going to get rid of him. I had it with him. So at the age of 14, my my dad went down to Mexico and went and brought me here, and so for me to be here, it was even worse. Drugs were even worse. I lived in Long Beach, California, close to Los Angeles. I lived in Chicago. This is at the age of 14. Uh, it's, I, one year, I mean, that's where I lived. I lived in I lived in uh, Los Angeles, uh, um, Long Beach, California. I came and lived in Chicago. I lived in Indiana. I lived in Michigan. I lived in Kansas City. I came to this area. I mean, for me to just to be in those big cities, for me, it was even worse to be in those areas. So drugs for me was I just for me I couldn't get out of it. My life was devastated at the age of 16. I told my dad we sat down. We were drinking together. I mean, heavy stuff. Uh, alcohol, you know, tequilas and that kind of that kind of garbage. And uh, but anyway, one time I was sitting with my dad, and I said to my dad, I said, Dad, I want to quit this life. I am sick and tired of this life. At the age of 16, most of you at the age of 16 are just beginning to taste maybe you know cigarettes or something. But at the age of 16, I wanted to quit this life. I, I had it with this life, and so I told my dad, and my dad says, Well, what what can I do for you? There's nothing I can do for you. And so we left it at that. And so my life went on. And at the age of 17, uh, finally, when uh, my, my, my son, my, excuse me, my, uh, my brother, my oldest brother was also here. And uh, he was going to church. He was introduced to Christ through her, uh, another, actually an old, an old lady. She must have been in her 60s, 70s. She introduced my, my brother to Christ. And my, my brother, from that moment on, he began to pray for me. And so I was just, uh, I was just, you know, lost in my own world. And my brother would, would tell me, you know, Jesus can save you. Jesus can change your life. And as he would say, come to church with me. And I would say, you know, that garbage is not for me. I had no idea, no clue that he was talking about Christ. He was talking about church. I said, that garbage is not for me. So then he, then I finally decided to go one day. And uh, I did go. And then is when I met her, my wife's dad. He was a pastor of that church. And he spent all night long witnessing to me about Christ. From that moment on, my, my life seed was planted into my spirit. 
And, uh, and not long after that, I became a believer. And no, uh, maybe less than a year, I married, I married uh, the pastor's daughter, and she's my wife today. Uh, we've been married for 26 years. But what I want to tell you, what I want to tell you is that all of us have a testimony. Amen? And, you know, from the time when, when, when Christ changed my life and saved my life, I decided to, I said, you know what? What I got, somebody's got to hear it. And what I did, I, t- I talked to her dad. I mean, my Spanish, my English, excuse me, my English was very broken. I mean, right now, some of you are saying, what are you saying? I can't even understand what you're saying now. You know, but at that time, my English was very broken. And I told her dad, I said, you know what? I want to go to the jail. I, wanted, I want somebody to hear what, I, what happened in my life. And from that moment on, I started going to jail, and I had a prison ministry. I mean, I was just so pumped up, and I had a group, maybe more than here. There was half, one, half of the room was all American people, and the other half were all Hispanic. And so we, I had to translate. I had to go back and forth, just witnessing to these people. And then they finally put a stop to that. And they, one of the jailers said to me, why don't you go up, upstairs and take your own room, and just you and the Hispanics, you guys just stay there. And we'll have somebody else to, to preach to the American people. I said, hey, if you want to give me a room just for the Hispanics? I said, it's fine. But every person, every person who was there in the jail, I mean, they were young men. They were all young, the 20s, some of them. I mean, they were, some of them were spending 100, 110 years in prison, some of them because of drug dealing and a bunch of garbage they did. You know what? But every one of them that I came in contact with, they all gave their life to Christ. Every one of them. Because I could identify with their lives, with, the, with their struggles, and, and their dilemma of not knowing that only Christ can really change your life. You know, and some of us are still sitting in our own churches. Some of us are sitting like right here, and, and I, I don't take it for granted. You guys are very young, but let me tell you what, the Spirit of God is very much alive in you as much as He is in me. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God wants to quicken you. In your mortal body, he wants to let you know that you can make a difference in somebody's life. This morning, how many went to the pool? I I praise God for that. You know, I mean, people don't, in fact, the devil does not want you to be there. The devil does not want you to kind of show your identity. The devil does not want you to show yourself forth so that people will not know that you are a Christian. You know what? You know what my Bible says in chapter 12 of Revelations, the last book of the Bible. The Bible says that Satan, I mean, there, there is a war taking place in the heavenlies. Listen to this. There's a war taking place, and then I mean, it's Satan, and, and it's called a dragon in chapter 12. And they're kind of going back and forth. And, and, the, and then the, the, the angel, Michael, they're, they're fighting and different things. And though it, it, it kind of describes Satan, describes them as a, as a, as a dragon, describes them as a, as a serpent. But, but what I'm saying about that in chapter 12, verse 11, the Bible says, it's speaking about all the believers. Listen to this. The Bible says that the devil is defeated. He's conquered by, by two things. He is defeated by the blood of the Lamb. Number one, Jesus already defeated the devil on the cross of Calvary. Amen? Therefore, you have the victory already. Think about it. You're, as, as, as young as you are, you're already more than conqueror. As, as, young as, as young as you are, you already are victorious. You are so young, but God, the one that lives in you, He is greater. Hallelujah. He is greater than the one who is in the world. Amen? 
if, if God is for you, as small as you are, if God is for you, who can be against you? No one can be against you. Hallelujah. Because you have the blood of the Lamb. But the second thing, why you, you are more than victorious and you can conquer, is because of the word of your testimony. That's the second thing. Hallelujah. You know what? And the devil wants to shut you up. The devil does not want you to know that you have a testimony. The devil does not want you to know that you have power. The devil does not want you to know that you, have, that you are victorious in every circumstance. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what temptation. It doesn't matter what comes against you. If, if it's peer pressure or if it's drugs or whatever it may be. If somebody's talking against you, it doesn't matter what it is. You are more than victorious through Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And that's what I want you to know. I'm telling you, this, it is so powerful. What I want to share with you, uh, where's the slide? <laughs> it's not working? Are you serious? I was so pumped up about that. See, what happened? See, okay. I forgive you guys. You think I'm a forgiving guy. All right. Uh, so nothing's working at all? Nothing. See how you are? Pastor? Where are you? He left? No. Yeah, I wonder why he left. Because he knows the thing is not working. He, he, he knew I was going to blame him. See? No, that's all right. No, but I, I want to share with you guys. If you guys have your Bibles with you. How many got your Bibles today? All right. Take, take your Bibles. Lift them to heaven. All right. Repeat with me. All right. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. And today, I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. And I will never be the same. Because my mind is alert. Point to your mind. My mind is alert and my heart is receptive and I will never be the same. Say never, never, never. Never, never, never. be the same. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about three, three things that I want to share with you today, tonight. All right. And it's in First Timothy, or uh, excuse me, second, on the first chapter. On the first chapter, uh, we're going to be looking at three verses. And I want to share with you three, three, three things. And these are three reminders that, that Paul gave to Timothy through reminders. And Timothy was a very young man. He was very young in the ministry. Maybe, maybe, maybe in, in his teens, maybe in his, maybe in his 20s. But he was very young when he was already a pastor. You know, I was, I was just reminded about just Timothy, you know, just thinking about his zeal for God and his hunger for God. But I was just reminded of, of, of the Chinese people. Right now, the church in China I was, just, I was just reminded because a lot of you guys are up here. And uh, when I was in Mexico, I do a lot of missions in Mexico. But all, whenever we do worship in Mexico, were you there at the one place, uh, the one church in, in Saltillo, when all the youth just come forth and they all just, during the worship? Were you there? Uh, I mean, they, they just go nuts. I mean, they just go wild. I mean, I'm thinking like, man, this is the youth today. And so I kind of like that. I kind of like that. But you know what? The thing about the Chinese youth, the moment when, when prayer is open, I mean, not the older people, not, not, the, not the folks like me, but all the young people. I mean, they, they head for corners. 
I don't know what's, what's, what's about corners, but they always, all the young people always head to the corners, and they begin to bow down and begin to weep and begin to seek God. I don't know what it is about that, but the youth in China, they're so on fire for God. And so I'm saying, not that you're not, but I just love, I just, I just love this group here tonight. And I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have a lot of temptations about quitting ministry. You're going to have a lot of temptations about, you know, saying no to things. You know, like pastors here, and he's going to say to you guys, you know, you know, I think I see a lot of potential in you. Why don't you just come forward and just kind of begin to do, oh, I'm sorry, pastor. No, not me. No, it's just, it's just not for me. You know what? I'm going to tell you something right now. Begin to step forward. Begin to step up to the plate and begin to say, you know what? I want to make a difference. Begin to do that. I'm telling you. Do not worry about who's here and who's not here, who's gone and, or who's coming back and who's not, whatever. You are here because God wants you here. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to make, a, you're going to make an impact for God. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay, now we're, we're on the first chapter. Okay, first chapter of uh, First Timothy, or second, second Timothy, excuse me, on the first, the three verses, five, six, and seven. And uh, the three verses say, he says, when I call, when I call to remembrance the, the genuine faith that is in you, of course, Paul is talking to Timothy. He said, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded it is in you also. Verse 6, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is, which is, which is in you through the laying of my hands. Verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hallelujah. As Christians... You, uh, uh, you, you're all, you will always be most natural, most effective, and most influential when you lead by your own identity. You know, when, when Christ comes into your own personal life, and He becomes the Lord of your life, He gives you identity. Amen? You're not, you're not, you're not uh, writing on your, mother's, on your mother's faith or your grandmother's or anybody else, or your daddies, or anybody, you got your own faith, and you have your own identity. Amen? So when you become a believer, I mean, you are made a new creation in Christ. Amen? And so when the devil sees you, he doesn't see Grandma Lois. He doesn't see, you know, Grandpa who knows whom. I mean, when the devil sees you, he sees you. He sees you, he sees Christ, he sees the Holy Spirit moving in your life. So when the devil sees you, he is intimidated by what he sees in your life. Not by, by somebody else's faith, but, but he is talking to Timothy here, and he's saying, you know, the, your faith that you have in you, which it was also in your grandmother, and it was also in your mother. But I want you to know one thing here, number one, is that, is that uh, you have, you have a, a secure heritage within your life. There is something in you that has been passed on to you. And so, therefore, you must understand that Paul here, he wants to remind, he wants to remind Timothy here that, he, that there, is, there is a spiritual foundation in his life. Amen? Therefore, you have also a spiritual foundation in your spirit which makes you grounded, which makes you strong, which makes you not movable, which means the doctrine and the gospel of God has been implanted in your spirit, which means it gives you a strong foundation. Amen? The strong foundation does not come because 
Yes, because of Christ coming into your life. Yes, He comes into your life. But the Bible said that when you become strong, it's because you begin to hear the Word of God and you begin to apply it into your life. Amen? And that's what Christ or the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. He wants you to take hold of the Word of God and He wants you to begin to take it in and begin to apply it. Amen? And through that... People are going to see you, and people are going to say, man, that, 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 there's something different about that girl. There's something different about that young man. You know, how many people are, are, are speaking of you? How many people, or what are they saying of you? When they see you and you say, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, or I'm a believer, what do they see in your life? Do they see the foundation that you have in Christ? Do they see Jesus through you, or what do they see? Ask yourself every single day, what are people seeing in your life? Because most of the time, even as, as adults, I'm telling you, sometimes we need to understand that, that even though we work, we are, you know, some of us are in school, workplaces, wherever, but I ask myself that question all the time. And I ask, what are people are seeing in my life? What do they see? Do they see Jesus in my life? Or do they see my selfish, my own selfish nature that is just coming forth? I don't want them to see that. I want them to see Christ, the hope of glory. Amen? That's what I want them to see in my life. So when you are in school, what are they seeing? When you went to the pool this morning, what, what did they see? What did they see in your life? You know, wh who are you representing? I mean, that's very, very, very important. And so, you know, you're going to become very effective as a Christian. You are going to become very effective when you begin to understand who you are in Christ. Amen? You begin to know who you are in Christ. And when you begin to know who you are in Christ, let me tell you, the devil is going to tiptoe by your house and he's going to say, man, I'm not going to stop at that house. I'm not talking about your mother. I'm not talking about your grandfather. I'm talking about your mom or dad. I'm talking about you. The devil walks around, listen to this, the devil walks around, this is true. The devil walks around like, like, like a roaring lion, right? The Bible says, seeking who he may devour. True? It's what First Peter says. But you know, this, this is what's going to happen. When the devil comes around, he is training all his demons. All his little demons, they're just chasing after the devil, you know. And the devil walks around and he's just take, taking him through every home, you know. And the, and the demons are saying, you know, hey daddy. Speaking to the devil, why can't we stop at his house? He goes, you don't want to go to his house. And, uh, and, the, devil, and the little demons are saying, well, why can't we, why, why can't we stop there? No, you don't want to stop there. And they keep walking around. And then they see another home. I said, hey, that girl's a Christian. Why can't we stop at her house? And the devil says, you don't want to stop at her house either. Said, well, why not? I said, she is, she is a Christian. And you know, what we can, you know what we can do to her? We can, we, can, we, can, we can make her sick. We can make her depressed. We can make her be anxious. We can make her do, commit suicide. We can, make, we can do a number of things. Satan says, the father says to the little demons, he says to them, you don't want to stop there. The last time I stopped there, man, I got the beating of my life. That's when you understand your true identity. When you understand who you are in Christ, let me tell you, there is nothing that can stop you. There is nothing. Hallelujah. If God is for you, who can be against you? Amen? And that's what, and that's what Paul is talking to Timothy. Because Timothy, he was, he was a very young man. 
And he was just wondering, like, you know, he was just kind of depressed. And he kind of talked to them, talked to him about it. And he goes, you know, don't, don't, don't think of yourself any less because people think that you're young, that you can't make no difference. Paul says, man, get encouraged. Get pumped up about the things of God. Amen? And though the second thing that I, that I, want, you, that I want you to see is that in, in verse 6, in, number, in number, number, verse number 5, he said he wanted him to, he, he was reminding him of his foundation that his family gave him, that the, 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 the spiritual heritage. Amen? But num, the second thing that, that he wanted him to know is his, his spiritual gifts. In number 6, in verse 6, Paul, Paul is talking and he says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift, the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands. So therefore, what is Paul saying? He said there is something that has been planted in your life. There is something in you that God wants to bring out. Amen? And so you know what happens? Is that a lot of times, and I, and I hate to talk about the, old, about the older folks, maybe you parents. You know, but I think it is time for God's people. I'm talking about people in general. I'm talking about the church of God. It is time for us to just quit playing church. It is time for us to even, I'm talking about us here. Forget them. I'm talking about us. It is time for us to quit playing church. Amen. It is time for us to rise up what God called us to do, what God called us to be, and begin to apply all those gifts that God called the church to have. And to begin to apply them, hallelujah, and begin to make a difference. I believe that it is time for the church of God to leave their little corner or to leave their comfortable, comfortable place and begin to step out and begin to make a difference. What do you think? Oh, I'm telling you, you guys can make a huge difference. There's no reason why this place shouldn't be full. Seriously. When we go to Mexico, we go to these villages that you will see the village and you will say, Man, I, I talked to my wife and I said to her as we taking our big cargo van into that village. In the village, you thinking maybe 50 people, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know, but we're lucky there's maybe 100 that, that, that live here. And you, you, would, you know, we, wouldn't, we were, not, were not expecting a, a big crowd, but we thought, well, you know what, glory to God. We, we can get whatever we can get. We'll, be, we'll begin to go out there. We'll begin to go on the streets. They're all dirt. Chickens everywhere, pigs everywhere, dogs everywhere. I mean, we're just walking those, those, those villages and go from house to house, just inviting people. And so, and then we'll say, well, we're going to meet in such, such building or maybe outside the building or whatever, you know, depends. And uh, suddenly within a half hour, 300 people will show up. I'm talking about not, true, not true. Not non-believers. I'm not talking, we went, we, I, I'm not saying we went and invited the church. We went and invited the non-believers. And we began to, and the whole church, including this guy, everybody's just using their gifts. And we're, this, you, you are outside with the children. I mean, we got 300 just adults in the, in, in the building, not counting the 100 kids you got outside. I mean, we are just preaching the gospel. And I mean, everybody's just using their gifts. And when it comes for salvation, and we say, okay, if you want Jesus in your life, I mean, raise your hand. And everybody's hands go up. And I'm saying, no, wait a minute, you didn't, you didn't get the question, you know, and I, I repeat the question, and everybody's, everybody's hands go up. They all want Jesus. You know what? Because everybody began to put their gift that God had given to each one, and we began to apply them, and we began to make a difference even in those little villages. Hallelujah. That's just so amazing. Amen? And so, and so Paul just wants to remind Timothy 
uh, to stir up the gifts. Hallelujah. They, they were inside of them. Hallelujah. And began to lead from those gifts. Do not think that you have somebody else's gifts. You have been selected by God. You've been, you, are a, you are a chosen people. Amen? You, you are a peculiar people chosen by God to declare the wonders of God. 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter. I, I know you guys are a chosen youth, a chosen people, a holy generation. It's in 1 Peter 2 what? All right. That's all over your walls. Right? You are, why? Did, not as a bunch, but God picked every one of you individually, and God said, you know what? Here's a package for you. And he planted in you. And he picked another guy, and he said, here you go. Here's for you. And they, each one of you have gifts that God has given you. And then what did, what did Paul say to Timothy? He said, now I want you to stir them up. Begin to stir them up. Begin to apply them. Begin to, man, I'm telling you, you know, the way Paul talks. You know how he talks? When Paul, when Paul is talking to Timothy, he said, man, I want to see you on fire for God. That's what he's saying to him. He said, I don't want to see you just, just like when, when you're outside, like on, a, on, a, on, a, on setting up a fire, and, and you got some logs just, just barely warm. Paul says, you know what? For me, that's just not enough. Paul is saying, you know, I, wa- I want you to be on fire. I want you hot for God. That's what he's saying to Timothy. If you're going to be in ministry, Paul is saying, I want you on fire for God. We're talking about firefall. Did we see the firefall? I'm telling you, that's what God wants to do with the church. He wants to set the church ablaze. He wants the church of God to be on fire and to begin to do mighty wonders. And they are already available to us. But you know what? The only problem is that we are so much alive. And the the problem is that as long as we are alive... In, in ourselves, as long as we want to do our own thing, as long as we want to apply our own agenda, as long as we want to apply our own principles, as long as we want to do thinking that our own talents, personal talents, not God's gifts, but personal talents. I mean, my sister is playing wonderfully, drums, the guitar. You know, if you can say, well, guys, what do you think? Did we do good today? No. When you begin to say that, you are applying your own gifts. You are applying your own talents. And I'm telling you, that stinks in the eyes of God. But when you begin to say, God, I'm going to play for you, and I'm going to give you glory, and I'm going to give you honor, and you begin to say, like Paul said in chapter 2, and verse, uh, verse, I think it's verse 10 of uh, uh, Galatians, Paul says about himself, he says, For I have been crucified with Christ, Paul said. And you know what? That's the moment that you're going to begin to see miracles, signs, and wonders. You may, you may be thinking, Pastor, you're talking about the, old, about the other sanctuary. You're talking about the pastor, Steve, and everybody else. No, I'm talking to you. I'm talking about you can make that much of a difference, hallelujah, in the kingdom of hell and in the kingdom of God. And in this world, you are planted here for a reason. But Paul says about himself, I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Paul says, I I don't live anymore. He said, but what I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. And what you do is that you begin to trust Jesus every step of the way, honey. You begin to trust God every... You, you, you may be saying, well, I'm the smallest of all. You may be saying, well, I don't think people can even hear me. But let me tell you, the, 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 the tribe, the, the line or the tribe of Judah, he is living in you. 
Hallelujah. The lion of the tribe of Judah wants to come out from within side of you and he wants to shoot the big roar. I'm telling you, that's Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? It's what he wants to do. You know what? But we need to die to ourselves. That's what happens here. That when, the, when the presence of, of God shows up and begins to appear in your, in your room here in this area, when God shows up and the glory of God is manifested and you are bowing down and you're saying, God, here I am. Just the way I am, God. God, look at me with my, my faults, my, my, all, 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 my, all my mistakes that, I, that I've done or whatever. I don't care. God, I give them to you. That's the moment that God begins to take you and you begin to die to self. And you say, God, whatever I have belongs to you. Whatever I am, God, belongs to you. Father, I want to be used by you. Amen? And I'm telling you, we, that's the moment when you come to the cross of Calvary. You say, God, I no longer want to live, but I want to live, but I want to live for you and I want to live in you. That's what you're saying to God. The, all these girls that were up here. When you're up here, you're saying, God, I surrender a portion. What do you say? No. I surrender all. That's when you begin to die to self. And that's truly, truly when the full manifestation of the glory of God begins to fill your life. And when you, be, when you begin to go out from these doors, and when you begin to make a difference. Because it is no longer you going out there, but it is Jesus in you going out there. I'm telling you, this city is too small for what God wants to do. But I'm telling you, God wants to use you. Amen. And the third thing that that uh, what happens here, Paul is, Paul says to Timothy here in verse seven. He says in verse seven, he says, "For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind." So, what is the third thing? Paul reminds Timothy that God didn't give him any fear, but he gave him the tools to do the job. Amen? So what do we do? We have a solid conviction in our hearts. I mean, we're truly convinced. And we're saying, God, I am no longer, I will no longer will have fear. How many of you are ever fearful of just even sharing your faith when you're in school? Can you guys ever, I mean, don't, 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 don't be shy. I, I, I have the same problem sometimes. When we're saying, when we're saying, I was, I was in, I was in, in, in one of the one of the prisons. I've been to maximum security prisons, medium security, um, um, just county jails. But I was in this prison, and they were all Colombians, all of them. Uh, there was five Colombian guys, and there was a Cuban girl. They were all caught together with with cocaine in, the, in their vehicle, and uh, and the youngest one, the youngest one, he got 110 years in prison. All, only 22 years old. All the rest got 60, 65 years in prison, all the rest. But one of the main leaders, he had this bushy beard. I mean, ugly-looking guy in the jail. So you're talking, I, I got this room of Hispanics, and, and, this, and this guy, is he's sitting at the end of the, he's leaning against the wall, and I'm preaching like this, preaching to all the guys that were just around me. And this guy back there, evil, evil eyes bushy beard, I mean, ugly looking guy. And, uh, but I think that he looks so ugly because of just because of the roughness of his life, the way he lived. But he was looking at me for three months straight. I, I went there twice, twice a week. I, w I would go on Sunday after church, and I would go on Thursday nights. 
every, every week. I go twice for three and a half years. But that guy was there for a whole year. But the first three months after he was caught, I, I was there with all the rest of the Colombians, among other people. But that guy would look at me, would look at me, I mean, so, so bad. And that, it, like he wanted to intimidate me. But all that would come forth from within was just compassion and actually more passion for this person. Because I wasn't, and all I would pray, I would pray, I would get on my knees before they even arrived to my room. I would just get on my knees and I would pray and say, God, give him to me. God, give him to me. I want him. I was just so determined that I was not going to leave that place. I mean, I was even begging Jesus not to come, not to come back yet because I really wanted him so bad. And I was, after three months of just preaching the gospel, I was just preaching one time, and as I, was, as I was preaching, I was just preaching with, just preaching my guts out, all in Spanish, of course, a lot easier. And, uh, but I was just preaching, and suddenly, the guy began to weep. I mean, just weep. I mean, uncontrollably, he just began to weep. For, for a whole half hour, he was crying nonstop. You guys ever cry like that? That's how he was crying. I mean, he was, he was crying, I mean, I couldn't stop him. And then I told everybody, he was crying so loud in a small room. I'm thinking, you know, let's stop and let's see what's going on. And then after a half hour, he finally stopped. And I said, do you mind if you want you know, to tell us what, what's going on? You know, what, 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 what's, what's happening in your life? What makes you cry? What's happening? He said this. He said this All I want to know, why, why are you here? He looked at me. He said, I want to know why you're here. And I'm praying, God, give me words to say. And he said, I want to know why you're here. And I'm just praying. And he said, he said, we don't give you. I said, we're in jail. We, might, we are here for the rest of our lives. He said, we're not giving you no money. We're not taking an offering in jail. I said, we're not giving you possessions. We're not giving you absolutely anything while you're here. And I'm still praying. I said, God, give me words to say. And then Jesus reminded me. He said, Jesus said in, in, in the word, I was in prison and you visited me. I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was sick and you came, and see, you came to see me. And right there, God just began to, began to give me the scripture and I began to tell him that. I said, you know, I came to see Jesus here. When I come to see you, I come to see Jesus. Then I gave him the reference in the Bible. He began to weep another, for another half hour. Weep. Couldn't stop. And then after he was done crying for another half hour, because they let me go. I mean, I was, they would let me sit there all night if I wanted to in the jail, believe it or not. They would just give me the free time. But after he was done crying, he just, he got off his high table where he was sitting on top. He would just, he just got on his knees and he said, I want that Jesus that you're talking about. And that guy became the most radical. His complexion, his face, softened like a baby. I mean, you, you could not see the, the, the rudeness, the, the toughness. You couldn't see that anymore. I mean, you can feel like Satan had control of him, but after he came to Christ, it's like he has had like a brand new skin with beard, you know. I mean, but, but he gave his heart to Jesus, and that guy, for the rest of the seven months after that, he became like a Paul. He became so on fire for God, and he said, Pastor, he goes, I see that you give me a paperback Bible. I said, yeah. I said, I want, I want one like yours. I want a study Bible. I said, why do you want a study Bible? He said, I want to really, I want to search the scripture. I really want to study God's word. And I said, okay. I went to the church. I didn't have the money to buy him one. I, I wasn't going to give him one mine. 
But I went to the church and I said to, the, to our congregation, I said, hey, I, I was just visiting this guy. I told him the whole story. And, uh, and this lady stands up and she goes, Pastor, I want to buy him a Bible. And another lady stood up and I said, anybody want more Bibles? Another lady said, I buy, him, I buy another Bible. And pretty soon we had like, what, 10 Bibles or 15 Bibles. People were buying Bibles. And this was not a cheap Bibles. I'm talking our Bibles in Spanish, they cost like 70, 80 bucks. Everybody was buying Bibles for these, for these prisoners because they were so on fire for God. And after, after I was communicating with this prisoner in jail, he, sa- he was writing me. We were writing back and forth. And then he said, Pastor, we're going to stop communicating. We can't communicate anymore because they don't allow me to have any more friends outside the prison. But I want you to pray for me, Pastor, he said. I want you to pray for me that wherever I go, because they put him with a roommate, he said, wherever I go, I pray that God will not let me move on to another prison until I win that person to Jesus. Because they, these, these people, these Colombians, they will move him from prison to prison. They're like every year or two years, they will move him from prison to prison because they, they the, 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 the government thinks that these people, they, they're there for life. They're saying they're planning to escape and they create friendships outside the jail so they plan to escape because they're so young, they can care less if they die or not. But that's why they move them around. But this guy said, whenever they move me, I want, I want to win that person from Jesus. That's what he said. You know what? God can do the same thing for you. God can do the same thing for you in school. When you pray, do you pray with purpose? Do you pray, say, God, Father, you know, I have this person in mind. Father, I have that person in mind. Jesus, help me to win my one friend for God. Father, help me to, that, that girl that is always so lonely, Father, she looks like she got no friends. She, she's so unpopular. But Father, teach me how to reach her. Father, the person, the young man out there that he is trying to commit suicide, the one who is in drugs, Father, teach me how to reach him. Father, the one out there that is, so, is, is in depression and taking so many medications and anxiety problems and pills this and pills that, Father, teach me how to reach them. And when you begin to pray with the purpose, I'm going to tell you, Jesus is there, hallelujah, to empower you and to begin to use you like you ever seen before. Every eye closed. And if you're here today and, and I'm just thinking about Paul talking to Timothy and he mentioned the grandmother Lois and the mother Eunice of Timothy and he said the faith that they had. In other words, Timothy had heritage. The faith was in the family. But some of you here today do not have the heritage. Some of you here today do not have those role models within your home. I want to let you know that Jesus is raising you to be a role model for him. You don't have to look outside if you don't have somebody in the house, but I'm telling you, Jesus is raising you to be the role model for somebody else. But today, if you do not have Jesus, if you came to this place here today, you thought, you know, we're having fun and and it's a great service. But if you came here today and you came without Jesus, I don't want you to leave this place without him either. But if you can say today and say, Pastor, I like to ask that Jesus, the one that you introduced these prisoners to, or 
the people that you introduced to in Mexico, Pastor, those people came to know Jesus, but I want to get to know him too. I want to know him in a personal way. I want to know what it's like to have life. I want to know what it's like to have joy. I want to know what it's like to have real peace. I want to know what it's like to have real hope. Pastor, I don't have Jesus in my life, but today I want to be serious about him. I want to make a stand for him. I don't want to play games with God because he didn't play games with me on the cross of Calvary. Pastor, I want Jesus to be real in my life. If that is you today, I want you to raise your hand. If it is you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Are you tired of playing games? I know Jesus doesn't play games. I know when he was on the cross of Calvary, when he gave his life, he gave it all for you. And I think he wants you to give it all for him. If you can say, you can lift your hand and say, Pastor, I want to give it all for Jesus. Would that be you lifting your hand today? Say, I want to give it all. Thank you. Hallelujah. You could be on your feet. Stand up. We're going to pray for those who raised your hand. For those who raised, raised your hand to say, I want Jesus in my life. After we, we're going to pray a prayer together. But after we pray that prayer together, those who raised your hand to ask Jesus to come into your life, I want you to go to your pastor. You can come to me too, but I want you to go to your pastor and say, Pastor John, I ask Jesus today to come into my life. Today, I am a new creation. Today, I am a new life, a new, a new being, a new person in Christ. So if you can go to your pastor after we pray this prayer, I want you to do that. Let's pray with me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that he shed for my sins. I thank you. Forgive me of all of my sins. I want to live for you. I want to give you my life. And from this day forward, I am yours because I repent. And with my mouth, I confess the Lord Jesus. And in my heart, I believe that God raised him from the dead. Therefore, I am yours today. This day is the day of salvation. And today, I am born again. Thank you, Jesus, for your life, for your death, to give me life. In Jesus' name, amen. Pray another prayer with me today for those who are saying pastor I, I just I, I'm, I'm just I, I'm just tired of being sick and tired of being a mediocre Christian I do not want to hide my I, my real identity but I want to give it all for God I want people to know I want the devil to know I want all hell to know that I belong to Jesus and I want to make a difference pray pray this prayer with me Heavenly Father thank you for power Thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives in my life. Father, thank you for the cross of, uh, in the blood and the shed blood on that cross. That by that blood, Satan is defeated. 
And Father, thank you for the word of my testimony. Father, that the devil will not shut me up. But I'm going to rise up. I'm going to step up. And I'm going to go out. And I'm going to make a difference. That from this day forward, I'm drawing the line on the sand. And I'm saying to the enemy, watch out because I'm coming. And I'm making a difference. I'm making an impact for God. The lost souls are coming to Jesus. Because I'm coming and I'm going to make a difference. Father, thank you. Empower me. Anoint me. Fill me with your spirit. To be a true witness. Because the Bible says in Acts 1 verse 8. That when the Holy Spirit comes. He will empower me to be a witness. And Father, I want to be that witness for you. And I thank you that I'm going to do that from this day forward. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.